Hey, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're here at all of our campuses, Bel Air, Edgewood, Mountain Road. We're thinking together about how different our lives might be if we lived more boldly. I mean, instead of just being bland and blending in, what if we were more bold in everything we did? Like when you look in the Bible and you see these guys that hung out with Jesus and they were just like, they didn't let their fears kind of dampen, you know, their, their, their lives. And, and so we, we've been looking at how, man, we would, we would probably love more boldly, you know, in a, in a way that just turns heads and opens hearts. And we would, we would have bold faith that just clings tenaciously to Jesus, even if everyone said we're crazy or persecuting us for doing it. And then last week, who remembers what we talked about last week? We would, we would do what? We would pray. pray bold prayers. The three guys that were here, awesome way to chime in there. <laughs> pray bold prayers like we believe there was a great big God behind those prayers, right? Today we're going to talk about bold generosity because there's this thing, this, this sort of flow that happens out of the life of someone who's been with Jesus. They just don't have to be told to, they just are going to be more, more generous. Here's the operating question that we we're just having, having in our brains all the way through this thing is, what would, what would you do if you weren't afraid? How would you pray? How would you love? What would your faith look like if you weren't afraid? And boy, it's a great question for us on this issue of generosity, isn't it? I mean, just to illustrate it here, go ahead and, um, there's probably someone seated fairly near you. Go ahead and reach into their purse or pocketbook. Reach into the wallet. Or the, go ahead, and he might offer it to you, so you have to reach in his back pocket and get it. Go ahead and get the wallet out and grab the, and just, I want you to pull as much money or a credit card out and I want you to give in a little bit like you've always wanted to give. Go ahead. Go ahead. Isn't it fun to think about how, how fun that would be? It's like, man, if I could give out of that person's wallet, it would be fun. Because there's a part of us that, that longs for that kind of a, abundance mentality, that idea of just, boy, how fun it would be to give and be generous and all that, not just with money but with our whole lives. But there's a part of us that's a little bit like, ooh, what a, a little bit fearful. If, once, if it really is my money, maybe I better be careful and, and, and hold up and this kind of thing. And that illustrates the tension. So here's the deal. Jesus comes along and he says, Acts 20, 35 records it. He says, you're actually more blessed when you give than when you receive. Now, this is one of those places that I think might be a typo in the Bible because I'm th- not sure, but I think he might have got those mixed up. You know what I'm saying? This is one of those passages where I think maybe it's a misprint in all of our Bibles. Jesus probably meant to say, you're going to be happier, better, blessed, and and have a better time if you receive. Come on, who doesn't want to get stuff? There's a lot of places in the Bible that Jesus says stuff, and we just go, you know, there's a lot of people very respectfully just say, well, that's nice for Jesus, but I'm not going to do it. You know, turn the other cheek. Okay, great idea. I ain't doing it. Forgive somebody. I ain't doing it. You know, we're polite, you know, saying, Jesus, that's fine for you, but not. This is one of those passages where a lot of people are just like, yeah, I don't believe it. But Jesus says, it's way more better for you and for me. We'll be happier. We'll be blessed. Like, there's actually more joy in what is experienced through generosity when stuff flows out of you in giving than there is actually in sort of holding, keeping, clutching, and, and receiving. That's a tough one. But people who are around Jesus kind of learned this and took this radical, bold statement to heart. So here's, here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, I'd write this down. When you experience Jesus' grace, you will express it through bold generosity. When you truly experience Jesus, what He's done for you and how He loves and accepts and offers 
his free outpouring lavish gifts of blessing and grace and forgiveness and eternal life to you, when that actually happens to you, it's just what it's going to do automatically every time is it's going to create a change in you and it will look like a more generous human being. It just happens that way every time. And you see this actually all over these pages of the book of Acts in the Bible, which is where we get all these snapshots of the early church. Because these people had hung out with Jesus. They heard him say things like, hey, it's more blessed to give than receive. But more than that, they, they saw him put on a clinic of what it looked like when a person lived generously with their time and their love and their attention and their care with people. They just saw generosity expressed. So when they came around, we see this church in Acts. It's, a, it's bold, right? So, so Peter stands up, he preaches that sermon, kind of review here. You know, he preaches that sermon and 3,000 people responded to this bold word of Peter and the church is born. The first day the church is born, 3,000 people, bam, mega church. Woo! And then, you know, Peter... <clears throat> What happens next? The very next thing it says, right after that, after these people came, it says, what did they do? Well, they got together. It says they, they, they committed themselves to fellowship, teaching, prayer, and so forth. The next verse says, and this, this is what happened when the church got bold. Verse 44, all the believers were together and they had everything in common and selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Now the church just got real. Because now it's not just a bunch of people talking about Jesus stuff. It just got real. Because now they're like selling stuff and giving it away. Dude, this is bold. Boldness showed itself in generosity. Jesus makes you bold. And one of the ways you'll always show that is not just through your, your prayers and your faith and your love, but through your generosity. So remember, you move on here. <clears throat> Chapter 3, Peter and John come and there's lame Larry at the temple and they say, get up and walk, and he does. And all the Sanhedrin fly into a tizzy about it and they call James, Peter and John in and they say, hey, what's up? You can't do that. Shush your mouth. They say, not going to shush my mouth. We're going to talk about Jesus till the cows come home and I don't care if you like it or not. They're just bold as all get out. And through that incident, 5,000 more joined the church. Now we're up to 8,000. Wow. Talk about bold. And in this boldness, and in the response that, that people saw in Peter and John in the midst of the threats that were being made on their life, look at verse 13 of chapter 4. When they saw the courage, you could put the word boldness in there, of Peter and John, and they realized that these guys were just unschooled, ordinary dorks, they were astonished. It's like, wow, what? how could these guys be so bold like that? But then they took note. Oh, these guys have been with Jesus. When you experience Jesus, it changes you. And so they were looking at these guys like, man, they're different. Something's different about these folks. Oh, I bet it's the Jesus thing. Anybody saying that about you these days? That you're different in a good way? That can be traced you being with Jesus. And one, of the, one of the ways that's going to issue forth is it's going to make you bold. It's going to make you bold in your faith and your love and your prayers and your, your generosity. Now look what happened immediately after that. So they, they were like, man, those guys are bold. And that's probably because they've been with Jesus. So they went away and they prayed for boldness. We talked about that last week. And they began to speak more boldly. And then right after that, what does it say? What does all this new boldness do for them? It, it leads to 
bold generosity. Look at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they have. Now follow along with me on the screen, will you? With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. How's that possible? Well, it says because from time to time, those who owned lands or houses or stuff, they sold them. And what's the word? They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. The result of being with Jesus was that they were bold and the result of boldness was generosity. And if you're not experiencing bold generosity in your life, it could be that you haven't fully experienced the grace of Jesus in your life. Because when you're with Jesus, you're going to be different and people will take note. And one of the ways is it's going to follow the same flow. Notice the flow. They brought the money, put it at the apostles' feet so the apostles could distribute it in whatever way the church together said, let's do this. So that's the flow of generosity. You bring it, you let it go, and you watch what God will do with it. You let it, you let it go and watch it go. You bring it, you let it go, and you watch what God does with it. But you've got to bring it and then let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, and then watch what God does with it. That's the pattern of boldness. And these people did that. They brought it and they were happy to let it go. Why? Because they thought what God would do with it would be more amazing and cool because they actually believed and thought because they'd been with Jesus that it was more blessed and better and cooler and way happier and amazing stuff's going to happen by giving than ever even just kind of keeping and hoarding and receiving. They believed it and they lived it. One more example. Look at the next verse. Verse 46, 36 of chapter 4. I love this guy. His name's Joseph. You don't know him by Joseph. You don't know him as a Levite from Cyprus. You know him as Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Barnabas. Yep. He was a son of encouragement. I, I have some friends that I call son of some other stuff, but this is a son of encouragement. And he, what he did, he had a field and what did he do? He owned it and then he, he sold it and then he what? Brought it and he put it, he let it go at the apostles' feet. And the apostles, then they could distribute it and, and put it into action. That's a game changer. When your Christian faith gets beyond just praying prayers and talk and talk, and you get to this stuff, boy, I tell you, it's a game changer for you and everybody around you. When you experience Jesus' grace, you will express bold generosity. Second thing, if you're taking notes, I'd say this. Bold generosity comes down to a choice. Every one of us has a choice. Are you going to be a clinger or a bringer? Am I going to be a clinger or a bringer? Everyone's got to decide that. Now, you know about magnets, right? Magnets have these electromagnetic force fields around them, right? It works at the little micro level of these attraction fields with protons, and I don't even know the model on all that, but I know that uh, when you have a positive magnet and you bring up something that's got negative charges on it, iron shavings that have negative charges, I bring them close, what happens? Just sucks it up and sticks to it, right? Opposites attract like that. And so a magnet has a powerful sucking force that pulls things into it that, that it that can hold on to like that. But if you reverse the polarity, you reverse the polarity, and now it's positive, and you bring that same item toward it, and you bring it down and touch it, what happens? Pushes it away. It thrusts it out, away from itself. It sends it out in another direction. And that describes 
what needs to happen in, the, in my heart and in your heart if I've been with Jesus because he reverses the polarity of people who come out of the womb clutching and grabbing and saying mine and we have this sort of I want it to come to me and stick to me because I think that's where happiness is. I think I'll be happier if I can get more, accumulate more and I always have more and, and, and keep it. But actually Jesus reverses the polarity of a person. He wants us to be able to be like that where it kind of doesn't just come to us but goes through us where it bounces back where God brings something into your life not so it can stick to you only so that you can have the little bit stick to you you need so the rest can thrust back out and you can see what God's going to do with it. So you can stop being a clinger, a magnetic clinger and, 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 a, and a bringer. That's the powerful force of of Jesus in your life. I mean, think about it. It all starts with God who's this ultimately generous. God, the Bible says, did not spare his own son. He brought Jesus and he let him go. And look what God did with what Jesus did on earth. God so loved the world that he gave. Look what happened. And then Jesus himself, he he didn't hold his life back. He brought his whole life to the table and he gave his whole life. He let it go. And look what God did with his life. The Bible says he poured out his life. And so this is the same reversal of polarity that sort of gets at this sort of instinctive, from from the time a little baby comes out of the womb, grabbing and saying, mine. It reverses it for us. And we begin to ask different questions. Instead of saying, how much can I get? We say, well, how much is enough? Nobody asked that question. But bold believers of Jesus do. How much is enough? Not how much can I get? And as I receive this house, this car, this money, this time, this bonus, these blessings, this money, instead of saying, thank you, God, I say, oh, how might I bounce some of that back into what God wants me to do with it? Where's your polarity these days? What's your magnetic direction are you a clinger or a bringer? If people look at your life, would anyone say, there's bold generosity, that guy, that gal, you know, this, this has nothing to do with how old you are, has nothing to do with how much money you make, has nothing to do with anything other than just your decision about what you're going to do. And it all starts with letting the grace of Jesus express something in you. What best, here's a question for you, what best describes your level of generosity honestly? Would it be clinger? Or bringing? Are you tend to be someone who wants to keep or share your stuff, your time, your home? Do you tend to grab or give? Are you mostly greedy or generous? Now, <clears throat> with that kind of setup, let's let's talk real practically about how we could just go forward and get better at generosity. Here's the cool thing about this: anybody can do this. You know what? And I, everything I'm going to say today should apply to, to you if you're a fifth grader in here. You should be listening in because your whole life trajectory is at stake. If you're a person who's an old, trusty 50-year-old, if you're someone who's an 80-year-old, it doesn't matter who you are, you should be thinking about how is the beauty of my life going to take shape from this moment forward? Because we can all grow in this matter of bold generosity. And here's the cool thing. You know how you do it? You know how you, you get better at generosity? You do it. You just give something. The guy who's never loaned a rake needs to simply loan his rake to his neighbor and take his fingers off a my rake and loan his rake one time and you get better at it. That's how it works. So you just, you just do it. You just do it. So let me give you two kind of arenas 
that are the practical outcome of this reversal of magnetism that happens when Jesus really touches your life and you feel inspired. I need to, and I want to be more generous. I want to be a bringer, not a clinger. What do I do? First of all, I would say first arena is this one. Just open your eyes, open your heart, and open your hands. Because every day all around us there are opportunities that God puts in our path for us to be generous in a bold and encouraging way. At a little level, a big level, every day they're there, but we don't see them if we don't open our eyes. And you won't do anything. You'll just keep walking if you don't open your heart. And sometimes even when we do feel something, we don't do anything. And so you've got to open your hands at some point. And they'll, they'll come into your life a hundred ways and a hundred times. This is what Jesus was getting at, I think, when he told the story of the, what we today call the Good Samaritan, about Luke 10, where the, the guy's walking along the road. He gets the stuffings beat out of him. He's lying in a pile of blood. And the religious guy comes by, and he just says, Whoa, we ain't getting into that business. I've got to get to church. And he heads right off. And then the preacher man comes by and he's like, oh, I've got to go speak somewhere. And he just keeps moving as well. And then like a low-down, no-good scum bucket comes by, a Samaritan comes by, and he sees the man and he stops. He sees the man and his heart opens to the man and his hands reaches in his pocket and he pays his medical bills and he puts them on his donkey and he you know, gets, takes care of the guy. And Jesus says, be like that guy. That's the punchline of that story. Be like that guy. But you won't ever be if you don't open your eyes, your heart, and your hands. The other guys were walking by and they were like, man, what might happen to me if I was generous right now? But the, other guy, the third guy came by and he says, man, what's going to happen to that guy if I'm not? Jesus says, be like that guy. Open your heart, your, your eyes, your hands. So, let me tell you some stories. And you see how this might have to take place in your life. So last week we're here at Mountain Road Campus. I'm out here in the Commons talking. This young man comes up to me he, I, and he's explaining how he's a new believer. He's got his new young wife right by him and uh, he's, you know, he's got a baseball cap, tattoos, and he's got kind of a rough background. You can tell he's telling me about it. It's like, dude, you've been into some stuff. Wow. Yeah, and then, it, then he starts saying how he did a lot of jail time and you know, he's been in our detention center a bunch of times. And right in the middle of a sentence, he's looking over my shoulder and he, see, he says, and that guy over there, about 10 feet away, he sees one of our secu- volunteer security guys here at Mountain. And he, and he sees him, he says, and that guy right there was my, prison, was my prison guard. I used to hate him. Man, I hated that guy's guts. I thought he had it out for me. But you know what? Now I'm just completely changed on the inside out. Jesus just helped me not just get my life together, but he's really helping me just think differently about people. I said, well, go tell him yourself. And he did. He walked over there. I walked over there. I got to see this. <laughs> Tapped the guy on the shoulder. guy looks at him. He goes, I know you don't remember me, but... Um, I've been in and out of jail so many times, and you were my guard many times. I used to hate you. I thought you were just, you had it out for me, and tells him the whole story about all the stuff he's been into and what God's, he says, but I've been walking with Jesus now for six months, and he's just changing my life completely from the inside out. We used to be enemies, but now we can be friends. Stuck his hand out. Dumbfounded guard shaking his hand. I'm like, I love this church. It's awesome. I said, how'd this happen to you? He goes, points. I looked, there's this little lady there. Some of you know Kathy. Little lady, Kathy. Kathy doesn't listen to anybody. She, do, she doesn't know what's good for her. She, do, she doesn't have any common sense. Kathy is just, you know what Kathy does? She just, like she opens her home to people and shares their money and, and gives people a chance and gives them a start. And this guy here, he pulled him off the street and gave him a chance. And here, she lived with this lady. You shouldn't do that, Kathy. I tried to explain it to her, but you know what? Got this guy, a new start in life and introduced him to Jesus. She opened her eyes, she opened her heart, she opened her hands. It doesn't have to be 
that bold and dramatic. I mean, I could tell you about um, Jen Holsey was telling me about a little guy named Damien. He's over at the, the Bel Air campus. He's 10 years old. And then his last birthday, you know what he did? Instead of asking for presents from his friends, he asked for donations for We Believe in Tomorrow, a foundation that helps other kids who are, who are in the hospital. And I think we might even have a picture of them that he's celebrating there. Okay? That's the boy who gets, he's already opened his eyes, his heart, and his hands. Sarah, you go to my Facebook page, people send all kinds of these stories. Uh, Sarah told about Yumana who, when, when Sarah was pregnant and homeless and begging on the streets of Baltimore, thought she wanted money, put her hand out, and Yumana came by and said, I don't have any, I'll give you some food. And, and she just sat and visited with her and prayed with her. And that generosity was there. And she says, it was so nice to be treated like a human instead of a problem. That's what I needed that day. And since that time, Sarah's received generosity from the, so many others, including many in this church who've gotten her set up in an apartment so she can get ready to have that baby. That's what it looks like. Our mountain riders are a crazy group of people. You might recognize them around here. They're typically hairy with leather. <laughs> they love Jesus a lot. And they're always doing this. One of, one of the mountain riders was real sick in the hospital. And so a couple of us were, come on, were, were visiting in the hospital. They heard someone crying in the room right next, in the, kind of behind the curtain. Stuck their head around the curtain. There was this woman. She just sobbing, this new bride, crying, crying about her husband. Who, they were from Switzerland. But they were traveling like here in the States and they had to get back to New York to fly home. But her husband's back had gone out terribly and he had to have some pr procedure and so forth. He couldn't move, couldn't drive, and she wasn't licensed to drive. They were going to not be able to get back to New York to um, catch their flight home. And they were just very distressed. They prayed for them, traded numbers and all that. One of the mountain riders says, you know, we need to do more than pray. When that guy got released, he still could no way get in a car and drive back to New York. And you know what this mountain rider did? Out of the blue, didn't even know these guys. He just said, would you, be, would you trust me and put me on your rental car company so I can be a driver? And then he took a vacation day and he met him at the hospital and he drove him to New York City and he got him on their plane and then he returned the rental car and then he took a cab to the train station and then he got on the train back to Aberdeen and then took a cab back home since his wife was still at the ball game that he had tickets for that night. That's what, that's what bold generosity looks like sometimes. I can tell you a whole bunch of these stories. People handing money, people taking care of each other. I'll, 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 just, I'll just tell you one more. I, 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 I just do this sometimes because it's fun. Um, you know what? If you want to find someone to give bold generosity to, go to Walmart. They're always there. <laughs> go through the line at Walmart. Sometimes it's just kind of fun to do. Um, go through the line at Walmart. There's this lady behind me. She has fixed income written all over her. Old lady. You know, she's got like milk and white bread or something like that. You know, a few things on the counter. So I pay from whatever I got there at Walmart, and then I pay with my credit card. And then I handed a $20 bill to the, the clerk, and I said, hey, just cover this lady's stuff, and you keep the change. And uh, she's like, cool, can do. And um, so I'm trying to get my stuff and get out of there so I can be like, you know, mystery guy and disappear. You know, that God give the credit. Well, somehow she waved the lady right through. She didn't even ring him up. She just said, yeah, yeah, you're already taken care of. You can go. So she grabs her stuff. She's chasing me down now. Like, young man, young man. She's got a cane. She's running. Like, I'm out in the parking lot. She's like yelling at me. Like, she's, she's coming after me. I'm like, she's going to break a hip. This is being the Aegis. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, young man, thank you so much. Are you an angel? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. <laughs> I did not say that. I did not. I said, I said well, sort of. I said, God's just blessed, you know, me and my family, and we just want to pass it on to you, you know, and, and uh, God bless you. She says, you have no idea. I don't know how I was going to pay for groceries next week. I've got friends coming. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, just thank God, you know, and I walked away. And some of you are hearing this right now, and you're going, oh, that's such a great story. Get your own story. I mean it. Get your own story. Make one this week. It's not hard. It doesn't even take 20 bucks. 
It just takes, you open your eyes, your heart, and your hands. Do it. Be generous. It's better, way better to give than receive. Either you believe it or you don't. And the way you get better at it is do it. So get your own story. So, that's one way we can do it, is open our eyes, our hearts, and our hands. As cool as all that is, and it's cool, there's a second sort of way that we must go forward in bold generosity. If we miss this, we've missed really the heart of Jesus' teaching and biblical instruction. Because as cool as it is when we do bold generosity at Walmart, where I get to decide who I give to, when I give to, and what I do, where you get to decide, and we all kind of do this guerrilla goodness out there on our own. We will miss out so much on the biblical command where, where, where we give. When we give, we're always the hero. When we give, and we just kind of decide, and we're in control of all of that. We miss out. What they did is they brought it, and they let it go before they knew exactly everything that would happen, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. The teaching of Scripture from the beginning and end is we've got to do more together as a body than, we can do, than we'll ever do on our own with guerrilla goodness and acts of kindness. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why, that, that's why I think the early church got excited is all of a sudden they had 8,000 and now instead of just sort of one at a time going out, they were, they were making a huge impact and this church is called to do the same thing. So we've, we've got to be a sort of on our own through the week. We've got to be out there doing, uh, opening our eyes and hearts and hands. But we've also got to do the other kind of giving that comes and says, let's lay it at the apostles' feet. Let's bring it in. Let's see what God would do with all of your little bit, my little bit, and everyone else's little bit. Put it in a pile and say, what's God going to do because he can do way more that way than he'll ever do with all of us deciding what we want to do on our own now this is getting into an area where I'm just going to say I'm going to talk specifically now about just how you bring your time and your talent and your treasure here into this storehouse and when I start talking about this it reminds me of my kids when they had their my kids always have trouble with their appendices their appendixes their their appendix and, and when it's real sensitive and, and touchy you know if you touch them up here they're like fine Fine, no problem. You know, touch them anywhere. You touch them on there. Ow! What are you doing? Stop that. That's very uncomfortable. It's like, no problem, no problem. Let's talk about, this is how it is with some of you. You know, let's talk about prayer. No problem, no problem, no problem. Tell me, talk about generosity. Ow! Some of you just got ouchy all of a sudden. It's like, you're talking about, oh, I get it. It's a trick. This is really about giving. No, you know what it is? It's about generosity. And so, I know it's a sensitive area, but do you want to know what Jesus says? Or not? Do you want to follow Jesus? You want to, you want to believe him when he says it's better to give than receive? You've got to do more than give 20 bucks at Walmart. you just got to do it. Or you'll never grow forward in bold generosity. I want to talk to you just real quick about how that bold generosity needs to go beyond just the daily sort of you and I decide on our own as God puts us in places with people. But it's got to also come that's planned and prioritized and percentage giving for the purposes of God. Let me talk about each one of those real quick. You've got to figure out a way to, to, have, to recognize that bold generosity in your life will always be planned. Don't leave it up to some kind of whimsical, emotional moment where you feel you've got to think about it and plan it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, Whoever sows sparingly, this is farmer talk, so that sowing is when you throw seeds out, when you give something. When you sow sparingly, like I'm only going to put a couple of seeds in, you're going to reap sparingly. That's the principle. It's how it works. But if you sow generously, if you're generous with how you stop clinging and bring it and let it go, well, guess what? You're going to reap generously. You are and the kingdom is and God's work is. What you reap, you sow. But that doesn't happen without planning. You've got to say how much seed I got and how, how far can I sling it. 
So the next verse says this, verse 7. Each of you, that means all of us should do this. Each of you should give. How much? Well, what you have decided in your heart, not what someone else tells you, not what, some, not what you think someone else gives. Each of us comes before the, the Lord God who good, put everything in your hands to begin with and you say, I'm going to decide in my own heart. And don't do it reluctantly, like, oh, I guess I have to. Don't do it because someone else told you you had to or under compulsion, but no, but because you know God loves a cheerful giver because you figured out Jesus was right. It's more blessed and happy and cheerful to give than receive. See how it all ties together? So don't leave it down to a spur-of-the-moment emotional decision. Plan it. You will never be as bold in your generosity and make the impact and imprint you could in your life and someone else's unless you plan it out and think about it. What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Have you thought this through? Have you decided in your heart? Or are you just kind of playing it by ear? Number two, bold generosity, biblically speaking, is always prioritized. It's prioritized. It should be, your giving should be of the generosity that reflects it's a priority to you. That Jesus is a priority to you. Either he's Lord or he's going to come later or he's going to come last. What is your bold gen? You don't have to tell me with your lips. I can look at your bank account and tell you where it is for you. No, that's just straight preacher talk right out of the Bible. Jesus is either Lord or later or last. And the Bible says if you prioritize your giving, it's going to say Jesus is Lord of everything, all of my life. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he tells us that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So he says, prioritize me. Put me first. No other gods before me. And you reflect that by the way you give generously to the things that God cares about most. The biblical way of describing all this is off the top. That's what priority means. Instead of paying all your bills and giving God the backwash and the leftovers, you give God first. You give him a priority. And then, and then you take care. You try, you, now, guess what? Now you've got to trust God instead of your own bank account. Off the top instead of off the bottom of the deck. So prioritize giving. Says Jesus, you're not last or later, you're Lord. Are you giving in a prioritized way? Third, how do we do that? How do we know to prioritize? Well, third, biblical giving in the scriptures is percentage giving. That way it's sort of equal sacrifice. We're not going to give equal amounts. The kid on the front row who's got, you know, a 10 bucks a month coming into his, he's not going to give the same thing as someone who's making 100000 a year. So it's percentage giving. 1 Corinthians 16 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, not someone else's, you. That way we just kind of come before God and we say percentage giving. So what percent, everyone should know the answer to this question, what percent of your income are you giving away to the purposes of God? Do you even know the answer to that? I'll give you a hint. It's between zero and 100. What percent are you giving away? America as a whole right now, about 2%. That's normal. Bold, I'll tell you, is above that. Bold is above that. So, you know, this is where 
we get into this matter of percentage giving. It's where the tithe comes from. The tithe is just a word that means 10. It's a percent that in the Old Testament, everyone knew that was the baseline standard. Everything of 10% of everything I had, I came and gave it to God off the top first. And a lot of Christians use that today. This church is filled with people who say, you know what? I never learned the joy of giving. I never learned the blessing of generosity until I obeyed God on this matter of percentage giving with the tithe. And that 10%, I'm I'm so much better. I'm happier. I'm more blessed with 90% of God's blessing poured back on me than I would have been with the full 100%. I just know it. And this church is filled. I've heard that story so many times. So my, my, my reminder to you is to be bold in your generosity, and you, you've got to do it with percentage giving. So some of you are like, well, I could never do 10%. You have no idea. What are you talking about? I'm walking out. It's like, ouch. So, okay. You might be surprised, but whatever. The point is you pick a percentage. Decide in your heart. That's what God says to do. Some of you are given 10%, but it's way so easy for you, it's not generous at all. You should probably be doing more. You need to be giving more away. Don't just check a box. You've got to decide in your heart. And then the fourth thing. So, so here's a question. Here's a question I would say. Pray this prayer. God, show me what percentage of my income would be generous. What would be generous? So that stuff was bouncing and you weren't clinging, you were bringing. And you decide in your own heart and do it. And fourth, the purposes of God. Bold generosity gives to the purposes of God. You need to give to the Boy Scouts and other things like that. My alma mater gets one of my checks, yes. But there's nothing more important than the work of building God's kingdom on this earth. That's what your whole life is meant to be. If you're a Christ follower, that is the most important work in the world. And God's plan to do that is through the church. And so I just boldly come before you to say, you know what? you need to make sure that you're doing the boldest generosity you can toward the boldest thing on the planet, which is God's work in the world, and that's through the church. I'm just being unapologetic. In other words, we're called to invest, not just be consumers. See, if we just blend in and we're bland as average, normal, humdrum Christians, we'll be consumers like everybody else. Consumers are defined by what they drive and how much they make and where they live and all this stuff, and that's what we think we are. But children of God say, no, you know who I am? I'm a child of God. That's my identity. I'm not a consumer that defines my identity. And as a child of God, I'm going to help, I'm going to help my daddy in the family business. I invest. I'm not just here to be a recipient of the kingdom of God. I'm here to be a participant in the kingdom of God. I'm going to build this kingdom. Consumers, they absorb and they suck and they produce waste. But investors, they give and they produce growth. Are you producing growth with what God has put in your hands? You see the difference between consumers? When, you know, we have people even who go to church and they think of the church as a consumer place. Where So now I think of God. God give me love and I say thank you. God gives me forgiveness, I say thank you. God gives me material blessing, I say thank you. God gives me blessing, I say thank you. No, no, because I'm a magnet, I'm just sucking it up. I'm a consumer that way. But bold people of faith and love reverse the polarity. When God gives me love, I say, who do I share that love with? When God gives me forgiveness, I say, I must forgive others. When God says, I get blessing, I say, I'm going to be a blessing. When God gives me material income, I say, what do you want me to do with it, God? So invest in the purposes of God. I don't know why God decided to use people like us, why he decided to use normal people like us to build his kingdom and advance the mission of his church. I don't know why, but he did. So I boldly stand before you to say, invest what God has given you for the purposes of God. It is the best and most important investment you'll ever make. 
Somebody asked a preacher one time, I hear what you're saying about all this money stuff like that. Are you saying if I don't give and tithe like you're talking about, I'm going to go to hell? And the preacher said, no, but someone else might. Someone else might. And that's my heart as I stand before you as a preacher of Mountain Christian Church. Thinking about how many people we could be reaching, how much ministry we could be doing, how many people are hurting emotionally and spiritually. And what they need is Jesus. What they need is hope and love and peace and a place like this where they can be invited in to love God, love people, and serve the world because that's what they're meant to do. And yet I look around and I see that 5,000 churches are closing their doors every year in this country. That's 13 a day. 80% of churches are declining in this country. And then I look at what God's doing here. I'm like, wow. It's almost scary. It almost acts like how blessed we are. We should be bold. God, look what God's doing. It's a safe, smart investment. 65% of the people who joined the church last year weren't going to any church before they came. There's 187,000 more people in this county who have no relationship with God, no connection to any church. This is a church for people like that who hate church. And we're blessed when we realize there's no greater investment than putting whatever God's put in our hand into play. And when we bring it to the apostles' feet and we distribute it together, we can do stuff with children's ministry and student ministry and celebrate recovery and caring for the poor and giving to global missions and taking care of the homeless and doing all the things. It's the best portfolio of giving you'll ever orchestrate on your own. And we can do more together than we could ever do alone. And so that's why I want to give you a very tangible, practical way for you to apply bold, generous giving to the local church. And that's why you were handed this thing on the way in. I hope you got one if you didn't get one on the way out. It's a bold end-of-the-year offering. Here's the deal. I'm just boldly standing before you and calling you as a Jesus follower, whatever your age or income level. If you're not a guest at Mountain, this is your church home. I'm saying I hope you will give the boldest year-end offering you've ever given between now and the end of the year. That's what I'm calling you to do, inviting you to do, to quit clinging and bring it. Because, frankly, we, we're just dying to put it into play. So, if you have not been giving regularly and you're like, man, he's right, I'm on a conviction, I'm going to get this taken care of, you should just catch up and give to the regular general fund. That's what pays the bills of all the ministry that happens every day around here. So just take care of that if that's where you are. But if you can do that and you are prepared to do a kind of like over and above kind of gift, that's how this church has historically moved forward at key moments in history where we've just said, if anyone has been blessed by God and you can make a bold over and above gift, do it now. And that's one of these moments right now. So that's what the bold end of year offering is, is a chance for anyone to say, I can do that. And I hope you'll decide to do it. So the brochure tells about it. Here's what it's going to go toward. Two th here's the deal. We are wanting and ready to launch another campus to reach a bunch more people. We launched, we launched one in, in, uh, in Bel Air in 2010. It's, it's, it's amazing. We love you guys and what you're doing to reach the community. We launched another one in 2013 to Edgewood. It's amazing. We love what's happening. We have lots of epicenter and connection with it. Uh, it's amazing. It's time to do another one, but we can't get there yet. We, we've, got, we've got some stuff we've got to take care of first.
We've got to take care of some ministry needs that aren't going to be covered by regular general fund giving. So that's why bold end of your offering will position us for what we hope will be a campus. And we're going to go as fast and far as we can based on the bold generosity of God's people in this place. Two foci of the bold end of your offering. Here it is. Kids and technology. Kids and technology. The brochure tells you about it. We've put it off for years, but we want to improve Mountain Kids space at all three of our campuses by enhancing the environment. About 800 kids find their way into one of our environments right now. We want to make it better, more parent and kid friendly. We're talking about wall decor and backdrops and carpet and signage at campuses that will help us create the environment where even more will want to come so the spiritual seeds of Jesus can be planted in young hearts. Okay? Second area is technology. When Gutenberg invented the printing press, the church looked at it and said, we can use that. And they seized that technology. And look what happened with printing of Bibles and publications. We want to seize technology available to us. And it will do several things. It will enhance what we're able to do on our weekend experiences as we use screens and lighting and so forth. It will, it will also prepare us for future launch of campuses, which rely so heavily on technology. Well, it'll also enable us to do live streaming of our services so people that aren't here will be able to engage online and that will open the door toward online campus which we'll talk more about later. It will further enhance what we're doing with social media, our website and the mobile app and those kind of communications things. So that's the technology piece. One more element to the end of your offering, the bold offering, it's going to help send our own Pat and Katie and little Hannah Gerber to Kenya. They've stepped up and said, God, send us. And guess what they're doing over there? They're working with kids and technology. Katie's working with children's ministry in 13 churches to help them come to know Jesus in Kenya. And Pat is working with technology, primarily video, photography, and social media. Same stuff, different continent, one bold mission. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray about this and then to give the boldest year-end gift you know how to give. Because you believe deeply that giving is better than receiving and you can't wait to see what happens when you quit clinging and bring. Give with bold generosity. So there's envelopes in the seat backs in front of you. They'll be there for a few weeks. Grab one, put a check in there, whatever you want to do. You can give online. You can uh, give from the Mountain app or introducing it today. You can give, you can text right now while I'm talking. It's okay, get your phone out and text. And there you go. You just type in 30131. Type in, then in the message you put MCC bold, one space, and then a multi-digit number. That's how it works. That's how it works. I don't care how you do it, just I hope you do. I hope you do. And what I love about these people in the Bible who were bold, they got that Jesus didn't want their money, he wanted their hearts. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 4. Entirely of their own, these people urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Can we please be part of this bold offering? And they did so, not, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. In keeping with God's will. I hope you'll give yourself first and let the bold generosity flow out of that. Let me pray for you. God, our hearts are yours. Our lives are yours. Everything about us is yours. And so we ask you now, will you help us to experience Jesus in a way that reverses our polarity and makes us generous in every way? Our hearts are yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.